So I'm very excited about speaking about heaven tonight. And um, let me start off by reading a verse out of the Bible. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It's probably on the screens. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. There it is. It says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Let's just break this down for us, these few verses here, really quickly. It says, you've been raised to new life with Christ. You, we will, you will never be not alive. You, you'll, 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 you're raised to new life immediately when you breathe your last breath. And you're, you're with Christ immediately. So set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at the place of honor in God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Why? It's because this earth is full of lies and deceptions and untruths where God's creation thinks they can, they're speaking truth and they're not. And it's not reality here. This is, this is not the truth what's happening down here. So think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life. It's true. Your real life is hidden, hidden with Christ. We're going to talk about that a little bit as we go on about what you're going to be like and feel like in heaven. You'll actually be hidden with Christ in heaven. I'll explain it more as we go. The Bible actually talks about it. And when Christ, who is your life, and it says it right there again, you will, you will be alive in heaven because of Christ. His life will be in you. You're not going to have blood. Your blood will not be your life source. Now think about what will pulse through your body in heaven. Not your blood. It'll be the life of Christ. His glory, his love will pulse through you continually. Think about that. That's how you'll live and breathe and have life. You can't not get hurt or die or think a bad thought because Christ is actually will be within you and of you in every part of you when you're in heaven. Amen? He says right there, who is your life is revealed to the whole world. You will share in all his glory. You'll share in his glory. You will be part of his glory in heaven. You'll be his glory in heaven. Think about it. Every part of you will be the glory of Christ in heaven. You'll share in it with him. So it's going to be amazing. And I'll speak from the Bible tonight, of course. But also, I'm going to speak um, and read from this book as well. This book's called My Time in Heaven. This is the, I think, personally, the best book about heaven out there. Story of a man named Richard Sigmund who got into a bad car accident, was dead for eight hours, and he went to heaven. And then he came back alive. Read a little bit of his story. Um, What I want to do is take just a moment here and summarize this book for you rather quickly. Uh, This is a summary um, that I found online, and... um, I'll read it for you so it gives you a little bit about the book, but then we'll do more of a deeper dive into the book together tonight. Then we'll have a time of Q&A at the end, okay? 
So Richard Sigmund was in a terrible car accident. It was pronounced dead. Eight hours later, God brought him back to life. This, is, this book is his testimony of what he saw while he was in heaven. He says, a force was drawing me up through a glory cloud. And on the other side, I could hear people singing. The walls of heaven were filled with all types of precious jewels. The gates were huge, 25 miles high. There, there were people that were waiting for their loved ones to arrive in heaven. And as they did, they would pass through a veil. After passing through the veil, they immediately became young and beautiful. Through the gate, along the pathway, there were beautiful houses, mansions. I saw one huge avenue with people walking up and down, and it was made of diamonds, layered with silver and gold. There were houses up and down the avenue that were beyond compare. The houses were for missionaries. I was taken to one house carved out of one giant pearl. Another was made out of gold. There were hundreds of people visiting at one mansion, in particular, they were all the people that missionary had led to the Lord while on earth. They were like family to him. I saw my grandfather's house. He was sitting with my grandmother, and they looked only 30 years old. Even though they, when they had died, they were 97 years old. They said to me, Richard, you have an appointment with God. I could get a glimpse of Jesus further up the path. He was talking with other people. I could see a book on a gold pillar. It must have been a mile high. On the right, there was another book the land's book of life. The angel lifted me up and I saw in three inch gold letters outlined in crimson red was my name. It was glorious to see my name in the land's book of life. There was a building containing books on the knowledge of God. One man was standing there and he said he had been there for two millenniums studying the knowledge of God and it was only on page two. (laughs) Pretty wild, huh? There was no end to learning. Everything you learn and hear, hear, heard stay with you for all eternity. You never forget. There were fountains that looked like crystal, and they were like a city block across. There were live figures in the fountain that were praising God. There was light everywhere, but no shadows. Heaven is layered with building and ground suspended in the air, thousands of feet apart. There are balconies that overlook the events of earth, and people come to watch prayers come to get answered. He saw angels being sent to answer prayers. I saw mountains, great bodies of water, animals. But the greatest thing was seeing Jesus and seeing the throne of God. When Jesus approached me, I fell at his feet as if I was dead. He touched me, and I didn't even feel worthy to look at his face. He lifted up my chin, and he said he loved me. I saw the scars in his hands and wrists. I saw the palms of his hands. My name had been written there as if a knife had carved it into his palms. And that's actually scriptural. The Bible says that your name is written on the palms of his hands. Everything you read in the Bible is true. Nothing is nothing's an allegory or hinting at what might be a shadow or a, a, an idea that's not actually real, but everything you read in the Bible is absolutely true. Every question you ever have for Jesus, you think about, oh, every, well, all the questions I have, they, they actually all, they all can be found in the Bible. I know when you get to heaven, you're going to have a lot of questions, but I'll encourage you that, with this, that every question you have is found in the Bible, and when you, when you read it, believe it. Okay, church? And so let's dive into this a little bit. How, so how big is heaven? Well, the reality is, is that we actually don't know, but I do have this wonderful video that I want to show you, and it shows you the size of the universe, and this will give you a glimpse into what the size of heaven could potentially be. We have the privilege nowadays to have these telescopes and 
um, these Hubble radars that go around and they begin to measure the size of things. And this video here, I think the video is five to seven minutes long. It'll give you a size of just the universe that we've measured so far. And and always keep in mind as you watch this that the Bible says that the earth is God's footstool. Okay? So just take a look at this video.
now, just forget everything you thought about how big something could possibly be. There you go, right? How can you comprehend God, right? Can you stand before him and yell at him about how unfair your life is? (laughs) No, you can't. All right, let's move on. How big is heaven? I don't know, but there you go. So what is your eternal body going to be like? What will your spiritual body be like? Well, let me encourage you with this. You won't lose your earthly identity. It will finally be known to you fully who you really are. You won't lose your humor. You will not lose your unique personality. You will not lose your unique look or your emotions. You'll remember all your history and all your memories. You will finally be yourself fully. We will be all of this without the confusion and wounds and lies that clouded our true identity. Does that sound wonderful? You will have all five senses in your spiritual body, except they will just be, as some people have described them, maybe multiplied by thousands. Your sense of smell and sight, touch, hearing, all that multiplied by thousands. It says, for many people's stories, that your eyes can see far away with clarity and accuracy, just as if you were seeing it up close. How could he tell the gates were 25 miles high? He could see the top to the bottom and knew with clarity. Strange, huh? So this is that's the kind of eyes you'll have. You will not speak English in heaven, but you will have a heavenly language like a tongue. And it's because that way... The devil and his demons will have no idea the plans of God and what you're doing up there and will never be able to cloud, bring a lie or bring a half-truth to you and make you confused. Isn't that wonderful? But you'll understand everything. Your body will be made new and young and strong. Isn't that wonderful? Your mind and brain will operate without limit. When you get to heaven, you'll know where everything is at and how everything works. You will not be confused. When you see a person, you will know exactly who they are and their life history, how long they've been there, even how they died. There will be no struggle to learn and no limit to learning more. This all has to do with your mind. You'll continually learn more even though you will spend eternity there. What else will your eternal body be like? Well, I said this before and I'll say it again. Jesus will actually be in you and a part of you. You will shine because Jesus will be in you. You'll be your own light source. There's no shadow. You are light while you're there. And uh, it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 7, it says, because the God who said out of darkness, light shall shine is the one who shined in our hearts to illuminate the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Ephesians 3.17 That Christ may make his home in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, he's going to make your, his home in your, in your heart, in heaven. Second class, Second Thessalonians 1 verse 10. When he comes to be glorified in his saints, that's me and you, and to be marveled at all those who have believed. He's going to be glorified in you. He's going to be in you. You will be 
feeling Jesus emanating from within you. Within you. It'll be wonderful. Your thoughts will be only of what Jesus wants you to think. You'll think and dream only good things, heavenly things. Your body will hum with a heavenly music that worships God. Maybe you could just put your wrist up to your ear and listen to some music. You will hum a heavenly, a heavenly music up, up there. You can travel anywhere in heaven in a moment of time, or you can take your time and just stroll slowly if you want to. I want to read to you a few pages out of this book um, just, to, just to talk a little bit more about um, when he entered heaven. The beautiful stories of when he uh, initially entered heaven. I really feel like this, this book is very anointed. This is not the Bible that I'm reading. This is just one man's story, but I find him very anointed and um, his story very, very amazing. So would you mind if I read you a few pages out of here? Okay. This is after he died. A force was drawing me through a glory cloud, and on the other side of the cloud I could hear people singing. There was laughter with great joy, and I was in total peace. I smelled an aroma and experienced a taste like strawberries and cream. For what seemed like a few minutes I was moving through the cloud, and yet the cloud was moving through me. Then I turned to my right to what appeared to be a receiving area. Just a few feet from me, I could see two women standing. Somehow I knew that they were of great age, but their countenances were like they were in their mid-twenties, and they were beautiful. They were hugging each other and seemed very joyful, and they were looking through the veil. He is coming. I see him. He is coming. Here he comes. Suddenly a man came through the veil. He had a look of profound confusion for a moment. He didn't know where he was. But just as suddenly he looked at the women and recognized them, they began to hug him and to praise and worship God. You could tell it was a joyous reunion. Further to the right, I noticed a group of about 50 people. They too were worshiping God. Many were standing with their arms up, just praising him. Some were hugging each other and saying, here he comes. I see him coming. They were suddenly waiting. They were apparently waiting for their pastor. (laughs) who had just died. Suddenly, he was in the veil. When he first appeared, he looked like a very old man. But as suddenly as he appeared into the heavenly atmosphere, all the age lines in his face disappeared, and his gnarled little body straightened up. This very old pastor now looked as if he was in his mid to late 20s. His youth had been renewed. He just stood there bewildered. But in a moment, it dawned on him that he was in heaven, and he began to rejoice. He said, I want to see Jesus. Where's my Jesus? I want to see the Lord. People began to hug him and rejoice with him. Oh, it is you, brother. It is you, sister, he said as he called them by name. And he said again, I want to see Jesus. Someone told him, oh, he's just a little further down your pathway. You'll meet with him. He is always there, right on time. My attention was drawn to a group of about 35 people. They were standing in front of the veil, waiting for someone special to appear. I could tell that everyone was in an excited and joyous spirit. There were, there were those gathered who evidently had died many earth years ago, but here it was only yesterday. I saw people who must have been this special person's children, sister, and husband, who had long since become residents of heaven. There she is, someone said. A person in the group was carrying a baby. The baby had the full power of speech and was totally aware of all of its surroundings. This baby cried with a high little voice, Mommy, Mommy, there's my mommy. Jesus said that I could remain a baby and that my mommy could raise me in heaven. How great is the love of God. At that moment, an old wrinkled woman, all stoop-shouldered and very frail, came through the veil. 
Instantly, upon entering the atmosphere of heaven, she snapped completely straight. Her frail, stooped-over body became just as straight as could be. Suddenly, she was once again a beautiful young woman, dressed in her radiant, pure white robe of glory. Everyone cheered with shouts of joy as a little baby flew into her arms. They had been parted at childbirth. The woman had survived a concentration camp, but her baby had not. Yet God, in his infinite mercy, saw to it that nothing was lost. The love of God is so great that no person could know it all. It is truly beyond finding out, and only eternity will tell it all. There were tears running down my cheeks, even though I was just an onlooker. I shared their joy, and I still do. As I understood it, no one has ever come to heaven without having other people greet him or her, except, of course, Abel, the first person to die and enter heaven. Then I noticed that there were not only people greeting the pastor who had just come through the veil, but also angels. They were angels for others who came through. All up and down the veil, people were coming through, and there were always angels to meet them. Evidently, you can see through the veil from heaven, but you can't see through it from earth. In other words, sorry, from our existence, you can't see through the veil. In heaven, you know when someone is coming through. People in heaven somehow knew that they should be at the receiving area when someone was coming. Later, I learned that there are announcement centers in heaven, and people are notified that the loved ones are about to arrive there. I'll explain more about these announcement centers in another chapter. Ooh, that's wonderful, isn't it? So what is heaven like? Well, when you get there, it will finally feel like your home. It'll feel like home. There are golden roads, just like the Bible says. There's trees, and there's gardens, and there's animals, and we know there's animals. Jesus rides back to earth on a horse, so there's definitely horses. Um, there's angels. Uh, Jesus is everywhere, it seems. And he said he was omnipresent. He told us he was omnipresent, and that's true in heaven. He's everywhere in heaven, but always solely focused just on you if you need it. I can't, it's hard to understand, isn't it? But he's everywhere he's needed to be, and he's always right on time. Isn't that wonderful? Children and babies are everywhere. Jesus says that he is building mansions for you in heaven. And he says, if it wasn't so, I wouldn't have said it, right? He told us he's building us mansions. Mansions being built for you. Exactly how you would like it and where you would like it. You've always wanted to live on the water. You're going to have it on the water. You always want to live live on the river. You'll live by the river of life. You like the city. You'll be in the city. Whatever your heart desires, it's there for you. The smallest mansion in heaven would cost trillion dollars here on earth. Does that sound wonderful? There's large countryside. There's a large city. The Bible says there's a city of God in heaven. There's a city. There's a large city. There's a river of life. There's a throne of God. Music everywhere that worships God continually. The fragrance of God is everywhere. Where's the fragrance coming from? It's coming from our prayers. The Bible says that our prayers are as the sweet fragrance that comes up into the nostrils of God. Doesn't it say that? Your prayers today fill heaven with a lovely fragrance, and he described it as strawberries and cream. Isn't that wonderful? Your prayers are powerful. Let's believe them. Let's believe what the Bible says. The fragrance of God is everywhere, and it says there's balconies Overlooking earth. I want to read to you two pages out of here about the balconies. Overlooking earth. It's not that much here, but I want to read this to you. He talks about the balconies. Overlooking earth. 
you know, it says in Hebrews 12, verse 1, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Where is this cloud of witnesses at? They're in heaven, and they are watching us. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. That's what the Bible says. Let's believe it. Amen? So he says, I walked by groups and groups of people, and I could hear them talking. It was like the buzzing and busyness of people waiting in an airport or a train station. They were obviously waiting for someone. They were preparing something also. We did this because we knew he would like it. Wait until he sees this. It became obvious that these people were involved in the preparations of a mansion for a family member or a friend. They were talking about this person who was about to arrive. Oh, the excitement they showed in anticipation of someone coming home. As I said earlier, there were announcement centers letting people know when a loved one was coming to heaven. These centers looked like band shells, except that they were made out of glory clouds. They were solid, yet you could see through them. And they seemed as if to be lit up from the inside with a great amount of the glory that permeated everywhere. And it was all different colors, like fire shooting through it, amber and gold. They were sparkles and aroma, the fragrance of God. At this band shell, someone was announcing a homecoming. There were a great number of people in the crowd, and supernaturally, I knew it was a pastor coming home after many years of service to his church. He was on the way to the announcement center. He had already come through the veil, and there was great joy and wonderment in the people. Again, there are balconies and bleachers in heaven that look over the events of earth. People come to watch prayers come to pass. They are the cloud of witnesses. People in heaven watch births and weddings on earth. They are cheering sections, hollering out encouragements to us. Ooh, isn't that wonderful? We're not alone. When you get to heaven, you will receive heavenly rewards. But even the smallest reward given will be one of the greatest gifts that you'll be ever, you'll be ever given in your entire life. Heaven is huge, and you'll have no problem holding all the people. Let me read to you a few more pages out of here. Page um, 87 and 88. Listen to what it says here. He says, Supernaturally, I knew that there were other continents, islands, freshwater oceans, and seas far away. The seas are large bodies of water surrounded by land, but open to the ocean. I was not allowed to know anything about them, but I knew they existed. To me, heaven seemed like a very large planet, millions of times the size of earth. Things there were tangible, but not physical. If heaven is a planet, then it's God's personal planet. And if heaven is God's personal planet, then it is a multi, it is multi-layered, as I mentioned before. No matter where I was, however, I could see, sorry, the throne of God off in the distance. It's the very center of the universe, the center of all existence. That's where everything began. It is awesome. I saw only four of these layers, but they seem to go on infinitely. How big is God and how big is his universe? There are vast places in heaven where people will never go or see. Weird, huh? Let me read to you 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 1 through 7. 1 through 7. This is a verse from Paul. It, it is apparent that when Paul started his missionary journey, he went to a, a city called Lystra. 
I do believe if I remember correctly. And at Lystra, he was proclaiming the good news of Jesus and the uh, Jewish leaders got so upset with him, they stoned him to death and they threw him out of the city. And Luke, who was with them, and I do believe Mark were with him, he came back to life. They prayed, apparently, and he came back to life. And he continued on his missionary work. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1-7, through 7, Paul makes reference to this experience. Now listen to what Paul has to say about heaven. Chapter, verse 1 in chapter 12. This boasting will do no good, but I must go on. I will reluctantly tell you about visions and revelations from the Lord. I was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. This is when he had gotten stoned. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside my body, but I, but I do know that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words, things no human is allowed to tell. That experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I'd be telling the truth. But I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message. Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. And Paul never speaks about what he heard and saw and experienced. But it was so astounding and so amazing that his words weren't enough to describe it. And what he saw, he thought, I can't tell anybody because they might, I, my life is so precious that they're going to kill me for sure, right? They were already killing him constantly, it seemed like, trying to at least. And so he wouldn't talk about it. So what is heaven like? Well, not even a man of God, Paul, would really mention it. And that, I think that's crazy. And we can see here that Paul's near-death experience was so life-changing that he later wrote in the book of Philippians. Listen to what this was experienced for him, experiencing him. And listen to what he wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. It says, For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. He saw the paradise. I want to read to you one more page out of here. Um, this is um, a short little thing I want to read here. Where is it at? Yes. This is what Richard Sigmund said. It's very similar to what Paul said. He said, With all that is within me, I yearn to go back to heaven for eternity. There were scenes there so beyond my understanding that I don't even want to speak of them, for you would not believe them. So what is heaven like? I don't know. I've never been. But I do know this. You, you want to go to heaven. You do not want to go to hell. You, you want to go to heaven. And there's nothing, I don't, I don't believe there's anything wrong with giving your life to Jesus because you want to go to heaven. Is there? There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus will take your life, will take you. He will accept you as his own. And I just think it's so important that we obey the scriptures, which 
I almost want to read it again to you because it's so important because what I see when I, when I am with people, when I talk with people, when I meet with people, counsel people, just have conversations with people, I can tell that they're, they're not focused on heaven. They don't have a heavenly mindset. And I want to read to you Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4 again. And then I want to talk to you about how important it is to have a heavenly mind and not an earthly mind. Okay? So let me read it to you again. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, could you please put that back up there? It says, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. I've heard some people say, when you pass from this life to the next, this life even the hardest life ever, writ, ever lived, the hardest life ever lived, will feel as if it was a distant dream. That's how wonderful heaven is when you immediately arrive. And I think, and Lord, give me the right heart when I say this, but that we spend too much time complaining about how bad things are. When the reality is, is that this is not our home. And this is going to be forgotten. And when you arrive to heaven, all the troubles, all the anguish, all the stress, everything that keeps you up at night will feel as if it was a distant dream you had eons ago. Ever had a dream Raise your hand. Ever had a dream that just was like, oh, yeah, that was just a dream. Not on my morning coffee. Right? That's what it's going to be like for you. That's how great and wonderful it will be. And if we could understand the wonderful things that God has prepared for us, we would then realize that this world we live in is ruled and controlled by the devil and his demons. That's why evil exists here. That's why bad things happen here. That's why you think bad thoughts. That's why you lie and cheat and steal. It's because of the influence of the devil and his demons whispering on you and upon you to do things that you were never created to do, to live a life you were never created to live. All, everything is because of the underworld coming up and influencing it, influencing you, influencing your family members, your friends, even you, putting the lies into your mind, deceiving you, trying to trick you, trying to think, trying to tell you that, that this is the most important moment of your life. This is it. And you need, you, need to, you need to be very upset about what that person said and what that person did. And you need to, you need to harbor that pain. And you need, you need to, 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 to own that feeling. 
And, and let it become you more. And let that, let that anger go. Come on. Let, get real mad. And, and take revenge. And go for it. And you're such a loser. Oh, you are never going to have any money. You're never going to amount to anything. You're, you don't have any friends. And all these lies. And all these things that come upon us. And does it matter? No. What matters? That you worship God in this life and thank him for everything he's giving you and thank him that he is going to take care of you for eternity. Eternity. And your goal is for yourself to get there and for as many people as possible that you know to get there too. Is your reputation, are you willing to risk your reputation to make sure people get to heaven? How far are you willing to look like a fool so that they can experience the wonderful glories of what heaven awaits? How far are you willing to go? Who are you willing to forgive today so that you can run the race God has created for you to run? What are you willing to give up to make God happy today? What are you willing to do to make sure that you run the race that Jesus has planned and purpose for you before time even began? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to risk? How far are you willing to go? Are you, are you willing to drop everything and live for Jesus today because of how wonderful it will be eventually for you? Are you willing to live a life of less than in this life in order to live a life of greater than in the next life? Are you willing to, to get on your knees and pray in this life to fill heaven with the beautiful fragrances so that, to get prayers answered to build up your rewards in heaven? We're so focused, we're so focused on getting as much as we can in this life. And we're even at times willing to risk our souls to get things that mean nothing. Mean nothing. We're willing to work overtime on the weekends and miss church for months and years on end so that we can get that second 1,000 square foot cabin up north. And there is mansions waiting for you in heaven. If you would just say no to some stuff down here. Think about it. And are you willing to risk it? Are you willing to take the chance? Are you willing to say, I think that God needs more of me in this life so that I can get more of him in the next life? Think about it. How wonderful is heaven? It's the greatest place you could ever think of and multiply it times a million. People love Disney World. People love Disneyland. They walk around that place like it's the greatest place in all the world. I've been there. It's okay. It's okay. I don't really know what the big deal is. I enjoy the pool at the end of the day more. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, but... People are willing 
to risk, to make huge risks to get their family to Disney World. I'm going to work overtime. I'm going to make huge sacrifices. I'm, I'm not even, I'm not going to eat lunch for a whole month straight. I'm going to save that cash. I'm going to put it in the savings account so that we can get the big cups at Disney World for free refills. Because they think it's the greatest place in all the life. It's the greatest place they'll ever be in their entire life. They're, the, the mom and dad will sit down and put together a financial plan so they can take their kids to Disney World. I want to see a mom and dad sit down and say, what are we going to get, what are we going to do to get our kids to heaven? Do you think your kid, do you think if, if you never take your kid to Disney World, because you just, you couldn't afford it and you said to yourself, I just don't want to risk all the weekends working and miss church for all these years and, and I don't know if it's worth it. Do you think they're going to be upset when they get to heaven? No. They're going to forget about Disney World. Mickey can go kick rocks. That's why the Bible is so insistent about get your mind on things above. Think on heavenly things. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust nor thief can come in and destroy. There's no windows or doors in your mansion in heaven. But people are going in and putting things in your home because they know when you arrive, you are going to absolutely love it. And no thief is going in and taking that picture frame off the wall because it's got a gold rim around it or whatever. A gold, what is that? Frame, thank you. Diamond encrusted gold frame. God can't let sinners in. They're going to go along the streets and pop out the diamonds and put them in their pockets. You see, you see, there's no thieves there. There's no rust there. There's no water, there's no oxygen, there's no way for rust to even happen. Nothing decays, nothing dies. You, you pull up a blade of grass and, and, and it doesn't die and you put it back down, it goes right back to place alive, humming the praises of God. Roses, roses so big, rose as big as this man, as big as this sanctuary right here. Wouldn't you want to see it? Wouldn't you want to experience it? I would. Trees. The tree of life is there. The tree of knowledge is there. You can go and see these things and, and experience all these things. And, and I, just, I just think it's just, I just watch, I just watch, and I want to say this with the right heart, but I, I watch all the time people sacrifice so much to have temporary things on earth, but when you try to tell them to make a sacrifice for God, they think you're, they think you're weird. They think you're crazy. You know, I got to get that boat. I got to go fishing. Okay. All right. See you later. You could fish in heaven all you want. Maybe. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Well, a few minutes left here in the, in, the, in the service. That's how I wanted to close this one. To set your mind on things above. But I do, I would love to give you a time for for Q&A here at the end, and I'll take as many questions as possible. Does anybody have any questions? Yes. Awesome. We're gonna, i got to bring in the microphone because it's such a big room, and you're very quiet. Okay, so this balcony. 
who gets to be on the balcony? And is that a gift? Like, is that like your reward? You get to be on the balcony, but you don't get that reward to get on the balcony? So heaven is, I've heard someone describe it like this. Heaven, you can do anything you want in heaven as long as it's good. Anything good is accomplished in heaven. Some of the wonderful things in, in, in this book describing what children love to do in heaven. They love what they love to do in heaven. All good things happen in heaven. And the balconies are not reserved for people. There, anybody can go there and watch and participate. There you go. From what I understand, heaven is a place where you are when you, you are given an assignment when you arrive and it's purpose and specific for you. And this assignment will forever be interesting and wonderful and glorious and absolutely incredible to do. And each moment, a new thing will be revealed about the assignment to do and to work because of Jesus, or for Jesus, or with Jesus, and with other people. Um, essentially, who you are on the inside, what you love to do, it will be fully known in heaven, and you'll be able to operate at your very best in heaven, and do specifically what Jesus created you to do while on earth, you will continue to do in heaven. Hmm, interesting, huh? Another question. I'm gonna. I'll run back to you. So, with that being said, uh, are we going to be using our talents and our skills that we accrued down here in heaven? Yes, you will. Yes, you will. You will use the skills that you have on earth in heaven. I really do encourage you to get some of these books and read them and, and, and figure them out. And, and there's lots of scriptures attached to these things. So if you want to get this book, I really recommend it. It's called My Time in Heaven, Richard Sigmund. And he says as he walked down the streets, he saw revivalists of old on the street corners preaching and teaching the people about, how, about God. And Jesus. It's because it's what they did on earth, and they were doing it in heaven. And that's what they love to do. If you can sing on earth, they said your voice in heaven is absolutely unbelievable, that the gifts you're given on earth are magnified thousands of times over in heaven to give God glory and praise and worship. Everything you'll do will point to God and give him glory and worship and honor and praise continually. There's a wonderful story in here where he says he went to the throne of God and angels were flying around the throne. And he said each time they went around, a brand new attribute of God was revealed to them and they would sing out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the reason they, say it, they said it is because a brand new character of God was revealed to them. <laughs> oh my goodness. And they've been doing that since the beginning of time, before we were ever here. And they're still doing it. More questions? Yes. 
I had a question about never needing to be being hurt. Um, cause revelation 22, two talks about a tree with fruit that's meant to heal. Why would, why would we need to be healed if we didn't? It's a good question. Why would a fruit of tree for healing is for healing on earthly purposes? Okay. Yep. It's a healing tree in heaven. It's hard to, you know, when you pray for somebody to be healed, what happens in heaven? There's a whole system. There's a whole thing happening up there. A prayer goes up, an angel responds. There's many things in here about an angel grabs the healing thing and takes it to the altar and does stuff and sends it down with an angel. Stuff like that. There's stuff like that all over the place up there. So, yeah, the healing is not for earth. heaven. It's for earth. Any other questions? Any other questions? Let me encourage you when you read your Bible. I want you to read your Bible with more heaven, heavenly thoughts. Much of the Bible is not about earth. Much of the Bible is talking about heaven. And if you think about heaven more often and you get your mindset on heaven and you read the Bible with your mindset on heaven, you'll actually see and understand this verse isn't even about my life today. This verse is actually about what will be and how great it's going to be for all of us. And people get very confused when they read the Bible. They get very confused about stuff. And it's mainly because a lot of that verse is not even for us today. It's for what will be for us. So read your Bible with heaven on your heart more. It'll, you really, it'll come alive to you more. I really encourage you with that. Any other questions? We still have a few minutes here tonight. Yeah, I got another question. See, to get a whole list, and you can talk to me afterwards too. If we don't, if we want, I'm serious. I have people come up. Okay. So, say I'm in heaven. I know my family member is coming. Can I go in? You said and like prepare and like say, okay, they're coming. Let's do this. Let's prepare. And so, do can I physically do that or spiritually do it or whatever? Yes, you can. If you go before, which now you will go before many of generations. It depends on when Jesus comes back. But you will watch from heaven your family for generations. You will know them. They won't know you. You'll know them. And you'll know their heart and who they are and how God made them. And you will prepare for them. And you will put things in their mansions. Because you know they would love it. They, a picture. You know? Yes. Do it. Do it. Where do you want to live in heaven? What's your heart's desire? See, most people don't think like, they don't think about that. But see, but it doesn't matter whether you've thought or not. God knows what you really want. He knows you better than you know yourself. The Bible says that. And the reason he knows, he, he, he knows you better than yourself, one of the reasons is because he's preparing for you, specifically a place and a purpose just for you. With your individual design in mind. When you arrive to heaven, the people that meet you and greet you and the things told to you when you arrive are specific just for you because of who you are and the life you lived on this earth. You so desperately wish to see your dad again. I just about guarantee it. That'll be the first person you see in heaven. Lord knows the heart. 
And he's got, Bible says, all the wonderful things I have planned for my children. And I would encourage you with this, that this life is not so wonderful, but the next life is. All the wonderful things I have planned for those who would just believe. That's talking more about heaven than it is about earth. There's really, truly more promises for you that are about heaven than they are about this life. This life is hard. We are going to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Are you willing to die for Jesus? That doesn't, that's, not, that's not the kind of lifestyle we like to think about when we think about Christianity. But that's the lifestyle he's called us to do. But what are your rewards for eternity for martyrdom? What are your rewards in, for eternity for being a missionary? They're special. They are special. There's certain people that are allowed to approach God because they were martyred for his son, Jesus. The Bible talks about that. The martyrs, the special ones, gathered in in special places, closer to God. You see, was it worth it? Yes. Why? This life is not our home. This is not our home. This is not our life. We're meant for more. We're meant for more. That's why Jesus is amazing. He's prepared this place for us. When he died on the cross, the veil tore in two, and a brand new heaven was made for us. Amen. I got time for one more question. Yeah, great. Pets in heaven. What is my understanding of pets in heaven? My understanding is this. Believe it or not, I do, I do think that is, yeah, your pet, yes, or some form of that will be there for you. Yes. Now, what about husbands and wives in heaven? I'll talk about that next week. Okay? All right. I think that's it. If you do have more questions, I'll be down here. Do not be afraid to come up and hammer me with your list. I'll do my best. You're dismissed. See you later.